Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together with Bruce, we have written almost three dozen cookbooks, including the latest, The Instant Air Fryer Bible, which is out around the 1st of November. That book is written specifically for instant brand air fryers like the Omni and the Vortex, but you can use those recipes for any air fryer. Many of the recipes are photographed step by step. Mm-hmm. It's and pre-order now. It's yeah, please pre-order now. That's super important to authors. It's just this thing. Publishers think that pre-orders are the only sales that count. I don't understand it, but please um, pre-order now. It's just the world I live in. In this episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark, we are not going to be talking about air fryers. I know, shock. <laughs> we're going to be talking about pumpkin spice. We're going to be talking about our one-minute cooking tip, as always, and we're going to. As always, tell you what's making us happy in food this week. And thanks already in advance for being on the journey with us. So off we go to Pumpkin Spice. This time of year, and we're recording this in mid-September, you can exist solely on pumpkin spice flavored products if you wanted to. Pumpkin spice fried shrimp, Mm, pumpkin spice fried chicken, pumpkin spice mac and cheese. it's, well, I bet that's out there. I don't. It's, oh my! It's everything. Get you know. It's this started in 2003 was when Starbucks first unveiled their pumpkin spice latte. And as far as I know, yeah, maybe there were some pumpkin spice things, but that's what made it I wonder, viral in the world. Here's what I wonder. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that it's called pumpkin spice when what is meant is pumpkin pie spice. Mm-hmm. It's not. There's nothing spiced about a pumpkin that is like this spice <laughs> combination. Instead, it's the spices that go into pumpkin pie. And I wonder if there was a discussion somewhere about calling it pumpkin pie spice latte, and they decided that the pie sounded too unhealthy or it didn't sound right. Or oh, because when you're syllables. putting that into a 10,000-calorie latte with whipped cream and caramel, <laughs> you really care about what someone thinks about well, the word pie. But you do, actually, because I bet you people would be much less less likely to order a pumpkin pie spice latte than a pumpkin spice latte because pumpkin pie automatically tells you you're having a dessert. It does, and it also makes it think that you might actually have pumpkin in it. And let's face it, these lattes don't have pumpkin in them. They just have the spices that go into pumpkin pie. I just so find the elision, oh, oh, fancy word, (laughs) the elision of the word spice in that name, pumpkin spice, so intriguing. Intriguing. Well, it does flow off the tongue. Pumpkin spice. Well, pumpkin now spice. it does. And it does. And pumpkin spice Reese's peanut butter cups and pumpkin spice. I'm waiting for in the spring to have pumpkin spice peeps. They probably are out now. And pumpkin spice everything. It is uh, after a four-year hiatus even oreos are back now with their pumpkin spice now see i can't even say it i want to say pumpkin pie spice (laughs) pumpkin spice oreos back this fall it's like the pie wants to insert itself but why why did they there's got to be a reason they stopped selling it for four years and i don't know why they brought them back because covid (laughs) covid it's covid (laughs) everything is covid everything is COVID. oreo makes a billion flavors right they got birthday cake oreos and they've got cheesecake oreos and lemon i mean and quite honestly they're all a shanda it all it needs just a basic can you translate the yiddish for the goy and the audience (laughs) it's a shame Uh. it's a it's just it's a terrible thing they did that they should just have chocolate 
cookie Oreos with the white filling. And quite honestly, the thins, which have less white filling, the better. I wish they would just sell their cookies without the filling, and that would be really good. I like that I said, can you translate the Yiddish for the goy? Yeah, like, and then the there's d- only one white Christian listening. Not, 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 not the goyim, <laughs> but just the goy. There's yeah. one, and, and I, apparently I'm it. And so then my accent went right to Tel Aviv. It so did. Like- so, okay, pumpkin spice, you know that is cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, some places put allspice in it it's a variety blend some people put mace in it which is the what the hull of the nutmeg or something it is. well it, yeah it's it's a webbing that's around the nutmeg mm. and then it dries and they take it off mm. yeah, so it has a similar flavor to nutmeg but it's not quite as sweet actually i find it a little more savory and a yeah and there are various blends of this pumpkin pie spice if you just go in a supermarket and look up the bottles of pumpkin pie spice you'll see if you read the labels that there are various blends of what this means it's actually not one thing despite pumpkin spice donuts and pumpkin spice lattes and pumpkin spice fried chicken and pumpkin spice tuna noodle casserole oh, and, and the dunkin donuts pumpkin spice creamer in those yeah. little containers and eat, Starbucks even now has this one's so disgusting pumpkin cream nitro cold brew wow not as gross as pumpkin spice Bud Light seltzers. <laughs> Those have to be one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard of in my whole life. Uh, you should go back and listen to our, our episode in which we taste and get a little tipsy over hard seltzers actually in the episode. And uh, we don't ever touch a pumpkin spice seltzer, but you'll know that we don't like the malt beverage seltzers. Zima. Pumpkin spice Zima. It's not right. It's not right. Um, So here's the thing, and here's what I just want to say about pumpkin spice. It's become a foodie thing to knock pumpkin spice Mm -hmm. and to claim that, oh, I'm better than pumpkin spice. I I am. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, I'm not. I'm not better than pumpkin spice, and I love pumpkin pie. I think it's the ubiquity of it, the everywhereness of it. It's just everywhere, and you can't seem to get away from it. And I think that's what makes the some people, I was going to say the foodies, but some foodies sneer is the ubiquity mm-hmm. of it. Is that fair? Well, again, it's this time of year where overwhelmed with it. I mean, bagels. I saw pumpkin spice bagels. Mm, And here's my problem. I love a cinnamon raisin bagel. Talk about a Shonda. (laughs) That is a Shonda. No, no, no. Cinnamon raisin bagels have entered... They have blech. They've entered the canon. No. They have. Okay, so have blueberry. So no, chocolate no. chip. Those have not entered the canon. Yes, they Those have. Those are also a the, the goy is putting them in there. If you're going to put cinnamon raisin, then blueberry and chocolate chip, that's disgusting. As you could tell in our house, mm. we do not agree yes, on the flavor bagels of bagels. are savory. They're not supposed to be sweet. Cinnamon raisin is disgusting. But I don't want a pumpkin spice bagel because all I want in it is cinnamon and I want the raisin. Well, so again... I just find that this is a foodie thing that's become a kicking, what, a kicking post for foodies <laughs> who say, oh, I can't I can't live with the pumpkin spice. I love the spices in pumpkin pie. My thing is I just don't want it all the time. And furthermore, most of what is pumpkin spice out there is really not terribly healthy. Well, no, it's like moon pies and Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah. Now, the thing about I that is... I donuts. Listen, yeah. I was just visiting my mom in St. Louis a couple of weeks ago, and there's this little donut shop 
outside of St. Peter's on Mid Rivers Mall Road, if you know what I'm talking about. And this little, it's a local little donut shop, and they make brilliant donuts. I love donuts, but I will say I did not buy any of their pumpkin spice donuts. Oh, they which, had some? Well, of course. Mm. They had them right there on the speed racks. This place had a line down the street to get mm. into it, and speed racks of donuts coming out of the back constantly. So I didn't touch the pumpkin spice donuts. So what can I tell you? Yeah, and I think what put me over the top of wanting to kick pumpkin spice is I actually saw pumpkin spice dog treats oh, for sale. And but that seems like it would be natural. People always want their dogs to eat what they're eating. But you know what? There are certain things dogs shouldn't eat, like dogs no. shouldn't eat garlic or no. onions or no. chocolate. So how do I know that all the spices they put in there are actually good for my dog? I don't, I don't trust know. them. There I might be something in there that's not good for them. I don't know. I, it seems like that would be a liability issue. It seems like someone has figured out. And you know what? Let's face it. If you buy pumpkin spice milk bones, they're not using actual spices. They're using <laughs> chemical flavored alternatives that create that flavor. It, that's for owners, not for the dogs. My dog could care less about eating such things. Well, and, and our dogs also do not go to Starbucks and get the no. puppy lattes, no. which are just a bowl of whipped cream. I know, we're bad owners. Okay, up next, as is typical, our one-minute cooking tip. And this time, it's about burning yourself. Oh, never, ever, ever use a damp oven mitt or potholder. No, if Be- you've ever used one in the oven. Don't try and grab a hot anything. You'll know why. Because the heat transfers right through them when it's Correct. wet. And you can create steam and you will burn yourself instantly. And you'll get a steam burn, which is actually almost worse than a contact burn. So They're terrible. Make sure your oven mitts and your potholders are dry. That's a really easy one. Yes. In other words, the minute you use them, throw them toward the wash, the minute you use them so that they're not wet at all. Rather than our usual interview with a cookbook author or chef at this point in the podcast, in this episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark, Bruce and I are going to talk about news. And we're going to play like we're a radio station. (laughs) And we're going to talk about food in the news. And the first thing we want to talk about is something that is very au courant and very of the moment. And that is all the UK products that are labeled by appointment to Her Majesty the queen and if you know anything about many products insert any number of products here tipton uh, cadbury uh, bacardi every champagne you love bollinger mums krug lance and rotorum moet vuclico they all say by appointment to her majesty the queen purveyors of and since her death they now have two years to either Get King Charles III to renew this. Good luck with that. (laughs) Or they have to take it off. Oh, interesting. So, and it's going to have to be by appointment to the His king. Majesty yes. the King. Well, I don't know. Maybe he wants to leave his mom on there, Her Majesty, <laughs> the, Her Dead Majesty. Anyway, sorry, don't mean to be disrespectful. Um, yes, they've got two years to get Charles the Third's approval, or they have to take it off their labels. Ooh. And I wonder and that what could really hurt their business. I, does it? 
Do well, you care? Do you remember the series Keeping Up Appearances? Well, yes. And but Hyacinth Bouquet would yeah. buy something only from stores yes. that had that on there uh, and fine. make them park that's in the lovely. driveway so that people could see the royal seat. Okay, so no one does that. Good for <laughs> Patricia Rutledge for making such a crazy character who acted like that. But no one really does that. I mean, I guess there are some people. I have to say that my parents lived in England in the 50s, and my mom would talk about buying products that were purveyors to, the ma- and to her majesty and my mom went to a physician when they lived in England who was supposedly somehow you know physician to or had been physician to the royal house and oh, my mother thought me. that was so Tony and up that she some some and I, I want to tell you she had a sore throat and she went to this physician and he prescribed honey lemon and whiskey I think it was truly to Her Majesty the Queen. It would have been <laughs> lemon, honey, and gin, but okay. Yeah, maybe so. Well, anyway, so they got two years to get King Charles III's approval. So have you ever gotten to the point where you are sick of paying $10 for popcorn at a movie theater? Well, let me tell you, you just haven't been paying attention. Because that is not nearly as bad as beer at an NFL game. It's crazy. If you go to an Eagles game in Philadelphia, you will be charged $14.67 for a beer. Fourteen sixty-seven, And my hunch is that's Coors. That's not even if Bass. If you're lucky, it's That's not Coors. even Bass or Guinness. I mean, Maybe that, Pabst. Uh, maybe. Um, the kids love PBR. Okay, go to a Raiders game in Vegas, and you know you're looking at twelve bucks. Wait, the Raiders are in Vegas. Here's how out of date I am. I thought they're a Los Angeles team. Okay, go to the Raiders in Vegas. Okay, go. And go on. now, if you're looking for an NFL beer bargain, well, you have to watch the New York Jets, where you're only going to pay six and a quarter. For a pint wow. of I see this all the time because I see people going to baseball games and and football games in social media groups and uh, people who follow us and like you know they'll post about that they went and saw s- some baseball game or football game and how it's like forty bucks for snacks for and it's nothing. I mean forty it's, bucks for nothing. It's unbelievable. It I guess it's the captive audience thing. What are you gonna do? That's the only way. They probably don't let you bring your own food in. So, so. when I was a little kid, my mom bought this giant purse in Mexico and it was this giant leather purse they had been down to to Toxco and down there and she came home with this giant leather purse and it had like Montezuma on the outside of it and all this stuff and the reason she bought this purse this giant purse in Mexico is she lined it with plastic with a plastic with a garbage bag to be honest with you she cut a garbage bag and lined it with uh, the garbage bag and then would fill it with popcorn and we she would take it to the movies and we were in the po- movie. She would open this purse up, and there would be this purse of popcorn. <laughs> and I could tell you, in the '60s, it wasn't ten dollars. It was probably still just a dollar. But she was not going to pay that. No, my mother thought even back then that concession stand prices were too much to pay. Now we actually did get to buy cokes at the movie theater. Now that's where they rip you off. Well, that's we did get to buy cokes, but. 
Uh, given my family and how penurious we were, we probably split. I was coats. about to say you all shared a coat. Yeah, probably. But mom did have this purse specifically for taking buttered popcorn to the movies, and that's the only time that purse ever existed. I know. Did she clean it out, or did she put my a new mother, garbage bag? My in mother. Every time? My mother. Yes, I can assure you, my mother. My mother who vacuumed the carpet every day so that the streaks went in the same direction every day. Yes, I can assure you, she cleaned oh, that good. purse. Otherwise, that uh, rancid butter. Ew, I don't think movies. that that was ever a problem. So here's a real controversial bit of food news that has happened. The Monterey Bay Aquarium has put North American lobster on its what endangered list? No, they put it on the red list, the, which is, is not sustainably harvestable. Okay, and the problem this is, is super very controversial. controversial. And there's really nothing wrong with the lot. The lobsters are strong and healthy, and their population is growing. But there has been a problem with right whales being trapped in the ropes that right. attach to the right. lobster traps. The lines. And so yep. they either drown. If you don't know, the the, the traps sit down on the floor, and then the, there's a rope that comes up to a, a lobster buoy. So right whales, sometimes they get ensnared in these lines, and they drown. But more often, they drag the trap and line off with them, and they get stuck around them, and it causes wounds, and it slows I them down. I think it's down. also about babies, about and, baby right whales. Yep. Is, is, a real, is the real problem So it's here. because of the whales, and there are only, at the time we're recording this, about 340 right whales known to exist, and according to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, 80% of those have been caught at least once in lobster lines, so they are trying to protect the right whale, and by doing that, they're asking people not to buy lobster. Now, here's the problem, and here's where it becomes super controversial. One, lo- the, as you say, the lobster harvest is strong, and many people make quite a living in Maine off the lobster harvest. And two, actually, the number of right whale births is up by 25% over the last several years. So there is actually a growing population of right whales in the Atlantic. So their designation of lobsters as red on the list is a bit controversial. I think many people here where we live in New England feel that the Monterey Bay Aquarium knows about the Pacific, but they don't really know anything about the Atlantic. It's just very controversial. But unfortunately, a lot of people pay attention to the red, yellow, and green markers on the Monterey Bay Aquarium. They have built a reputation, and this designation seems to have thrown them in a great deal of hot water. And it's not just the lobster fishermen. Yeah, (laughs) it's not just the lobster fishermen in New England. There's even uh, a movement amongst whale watchers and all to say that this is not right, that this is just not actually accurate to what's happening to right whales. But you are right that right whales like rhinoceri, (laughs) like rhinoceri, are few and far between. They are. are. All right. So the next piece of news we have is about Chipotle. They've taken the single tacos off of their app menu. You can order one in the store, but no longer from the app because of a TikTok hack. Oh, my God. So the idea... TikTok is the, it's the, it's the realm of all <laughs> knowledge. Do go on. So the idea was that you order a single taco, 
and then you scroll down and what are the sides and toppings and additional things you want. And the list was a mile long and you were supposed to check every one of those, which meant someone in that store had to put all of those cheese and jalapenos and stuff in little plastic containers. And those little plastic containers have like cut up jalapenos mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And so they would fill your bag with like 30 of those little plastic containers and you could even order an extra tortilla. So you had your basically $3 taco, and now your bag came with the taco and a giant tortilla and 30 containers of extra stuff. You (laughs) dumped them all out, and you got a burrito and a taco for under $4. And so they decided that was not working for them. It was a waste of money. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why they think that's not working. So they took the single taco off the app, but you can still go into the store and order it. And say to the person face to face, I want every side. It's, it's funny how much TikTok, and while we're sitting here on this news item, it's funny how TikTok is changing things because it's really, I, if you don't know this, it's really changing the book business because TikTok uh, has introduced people to the idea that you can return books. And I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people know this. And since Bruce and I publish cookbooks for a living, we are keenly aware of this. And the TikTok hacks are that, A, you can buy a book from Amazon, read it, and then within a week, return it. And Amazon generally takes it back. You don't have to give necessarily a reason why you get it back, why you want to take it back. And uh, some people are even saying on TikTok that you can um, intentionally turn a page down and then mark it as damaged and send it back, which means you get a full credit and for free. And here's the other thing I think a lot of people don't know that TikTok has changed is that you can download an ebook, read it, and then ask for a return. Well, and with ebooks, it's more difficult. They'll do that once or twice on your account, but yep. if you do it more than like once a month, they're going to stop you. I, I don't know anything. I know that this has become a problem for publishers, and I know that people are downloading books for TikTok book clubs because the leader of the club says, just read it this week and then give it back mm. or send back the electronic book. And unfortunately, this is just really eating into authors. This doesn't affect, and this is really a funny thing to say, this doesn't affect Bruce and me all that much because we are not selling millions of copies of our books. Well, the, let's say Instant Audible has sold what, several hundred thousand copies. We're not selling millions of copies. And the people that this is really hurting are the people who are selling millions of copies. And apparently Kanaf is very worried about this with the upcoming Cormac McCarthy new novels. They're worried that they're going to get ordered and pre-ordered and then read instantly and sent back. Mm. And Kanaf apparently is quite worried about McCarthy's new novels. Well, I suppose fall. the publishers have the right to put a no-returns policy on a title. I suppose. Since we're talking about uh, publishing matters, well, I guess grammar matters, things that I worry about. We have a friend, and this is <laughs> Mark a, has it. Yeah, I have a friend. Mark I, carries his friend in his pocket. I have my friend on my phone. My friend lives on my phone. My friend is Miriam, as in Miriam Webster. In fact, my copy editor, Derry Reed, and I refer to her as our friend Miriam. Derry will often say to me, Our friend Miriam says, and I have adopted Derry's phraseology, and I say, Our friend Miriam says all the time now. In fact, I say it annoyingly at dinner parties when people say things. I'll pull out my phone, pull up my Miriam and say, well, my friend Miriam says blah, blah. Well, here's the deal. Miriam has added pumpkin spice, mm, everyone's added oat pumpkin milk, spice. and plant-based to the dictionary mm. of usable terms. Now, 
I don't have any problem with this. Uh, I think language adapts. Oh, yeah. I have a problem with pumpkin spice in general. I think it tastes terrible. I think that you're an elitist, <laughs> uh, and I don't like that elitist tone. Uh, and I also have a problem with oat milk because I think that people who drink oat milk aren't realizing the carbon footprint of said oat milk. Oh, please, let me grow some oats. Let me press 5,000 seeds. Let me use 10 tons of water. And, oh, here's your half gallon. So I have an issue. It's with not it. as bad as almond milk. It's maybe not. But <laughs> I have an issue with oat milk. But these are now official terms. And you can actually say oat milk. And you can say plant-based. And know that our friend Miriam will agree with you. And that you can say these terms at any time. And finally, let's talk about stained shirts. Sure. Heinz, the ketchup people, have teamed up with ThreadUp, an Oakland-based thrift store, and they've created and they're selling pre-stained shirts. <laughs> they have a couple of logos. Oh my God. Because if it's not Heinz, it's not a stain. Oh. And they want to oh, be known is as... Is that good? <laughs> is, that a, is that a good thing for a food to say? They want to be known as the white shirt-destroying condiment. <laughs> Well, and they certainly, I have to say that my husband, Bruce, here sitting in this podcast with me, wears a lot of white shirts. And let me say that I have worked very hard to get ketchup stains out of his white shirts. Are you claiming that I'm a slob? No, I'm saying that ketchup drips <laughs> and that I have worked very hard and I can actually now get them out. But it's taken me a while to figure out the whole formula for getting ketchup stains out. Well, yes, the stains on these shirts are actually made from real ketchup and they will eventually wash out but they are in limited release a limited quantity so we are now in mid-september of 2022 and if you want any google them now and see if you can get one. it's that by the way if you want to know the uh, the issue with stains out it's that repeated wash thing it's the eventually wash out this is <laughs> mark's patented way of getting ketchup stains out of bruce's white shirts is that i use a stain stick on them and i pour detergent exact on as well as the stain stick on the stain I wash the shirt and then I do not dry it. I wash it, I do the mm. same process and wash it a second time. Usually that second wash, if you dry it, you're dead. You set the stain. So that second wash usually takes care of it. Sometimes we have to go to a third wash to get that stain. Well, if you just licked it first, because the enzymes in your mouth will no, help dissolve this. See, this is why I'm not allowed to do laundry. I yeah, would be licking the stain. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I am not. Listen, there is not enough antidepressant in the world <laughs> for me to end up at a place in my life in which I'm standing in a laundry room licking <laughs> the dirty laundry. There is just, I just won't get there in my life. So there are, there are several outs I could take, and I'm not getting to licking dirty dirty laundry. So there you go. Um, that's a great bit of food news that we've had on the podcast. And so up next, before we get there to what's making us happy in food this week, let me remind you that it would be great if you could subscribe, if you could rate this podcast, drop right down there on the Apple or Audible page. You'll see how to drop a rating and it'll say write a review. If you click that link and just say thanks. Great job. Oh, that would mean a lot to us because we are, as we've told you, unsupported doing this just for the sheer joy of doing it together. And we are glad we are doing it with you. Okay, up next, what's making us happy in food this week? And I'm going to go first. Okay. I never go first. What's making me happy in food this week is granola, and particularly granola from our friend Richard Rosenfeld, because Richard Rosenfeld comes over for dinner and he brings his granola. And honestly, it is the crunchiest, nuttiest, less sweet granola it's I have ever granola. had. I love it. It's 
unbelievable. He puts uh, pepitas, you know, pumpkin seeds in it. He puts lots of nuts. It is not terribly sweet. Good granola is hard to be. Granola got a bad rap because it got overly candified and overly sweet over the years. And if you can find a decent granola at a farm stand that doesn't just break your teeth with how sweet it is, it is a fine thing in life. I think that happened because of granola bars. People started using granola to make granola bars. And so you add oh, sugar maybe. and you add corn syrup and you make maybe. a candy treat out of it. And they got so used to that that now they want their granola to taste like granola bars. Right. And so basically maybe. that's what's going on. Yeah, maybe. Because when I was a kid, I granola, of course, I'm so old that granola was the hippie thing. And it wasn't terribly sweet. But over the years, so much packaged granola has gotten so so ridiculously sweet and it's of course because nuts are expensive the amount of nuts in it has been reduced and reduced and reduced over the years and really it should be this pseudo savory oaty whole grain nutty thing Mm. Mm. rich rosenfeld thank you for the granola that you bring to my house what's making me happy in food this week are chocolate ciabatta rolls from the berkshire mountain bakery and the bread is the bread is not chocolate it's the berkshire mountain bakery only makes sourdough based breads and so the ciabattas are sourdough rolls with chunks of very dark chocolate suspended in them. They are. They also do it as a big boule, and you could cut mm. that and toast it's it. Cra- and the get, boules are crazy. But then you get melted chocolate in your toaster, you and do. that's a whole issue. It's just enough sourdough to hold all the big chunks of chocolate in place. I get those boules when we have house guests for the weekend. And you lightly, lightly toast them because the chocolate starts to melt. And they, and then you slather them with butter. Mm. And they are so unbelievably delicious. If you're up in our part of the world, that bakery is in the Berkshires, which is in western Massachusetts. It's in the town of Housatonic. We will know you're a tourist if you say Housatonic. <laughs> it's Housatonic, Massachusetts, and it is a fine place to stop. They also make great sourdough crust pizzas oh, they do. that you can buy right there and, well, enjoy. I think there's a couple tables, right? Most, no. Mostly in your car. Yeah, in your car. Yeah, you can enjoy it in your car. Okay, so that's our show for this week. Thank you so much for being along on this journey with us. Thanks for enduring our diatribes about pumpkin spice. I don't think we were too diatribical. Is that a word? Diatribites. <laughs> Diatribites. We weren't very many. Di- we weren't too much of a diatribite, but we <laughs> we had our bit about pumpkin spice. Thanks for enduring that. Thanks for being a part of this podcast. We hope that you will join us on our Facebook book group, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, and that you will subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark.